This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks, St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Talking about the heart, and, uh, first week we looked at the, the, the circumcision of heart, the, where God just cuts away the unnecessary things in us, the circumcision, the cutting away, the repentant heart. week after that we looked at the, 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 the hungry heart, not the hungry horse, the hungry heart. Uh, and, uh, and that's often the way we measure our spiritual temperatures, how hungry we are for God. That's how you measure your spiritual temperature is, is by your hunger. You don't necessarily measure it by our knowledge, if you like, but it's measured by our, by our hunger for God. Not what we've had of God, but what we, the more we want of God. How hungry we are, how thirsty we are for God. That's the way you always gauge your spiritual temperature. I think I said after when you, for me personally, when you lose your appetite, that's not a good sign, amen. Uh, and I think it's, it's true spiritually when we, we lose our hunger and our desire for God. That's a, an indication. So it's almost a, it's, a, it's a light on your spiritual dashboard that something somewhere is not right. And then I think last week, whenever it was, we looked at the, the humble heart. That's one of the major sort of themes in the Bible, the heart of humility. Jesus actually likened himself. He says, you want to be like me? He says, I'm, I'm humble of heart. And that's one of the... He could have said all kinds of qualities that he could have used, but the, the quality of humility was a quality he used to, to define the sort of characteristic in his attitudes of life. Philippians 2, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself and became obedient even unto death. That's a vital quality. How many believe that? Humility of heart, that dependency in God. It's a big thing we have. We, we're so easy want to depend on ourselves all the time. We're so busy want to reason things out and work things out. But true humility is where you come to a place and you just learn to lean. Amen? We often sing, leaning on the everlasting arms. We're learning to lean. Not just words in a song, but words we sing. Incidentally, I was thinking that, that hymn we haven't sung for ages. Uh, what is it? Blessed Assurance. Reminded me actually when I was at college, Bible college. That was a long time ago. Shows you how immature we were because what we'd do, we'd hold, we'd see who could hold their breath the longest. You know, because this is my story. And, and we used to see who could hold our breath the longest. That's how immature we were. And some of us used to go blue and, you know, we used to be, see how far we, how long we could hold our breath for. So sorry about that. Anyway, I just thought about that. I don't know why. Reminiscing. Anyway, Luke chapter 4. Today we're going to look at the, 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 the wounded heart or the broken heart. I think this is true. Every single person that's in this room today, I don't think any one of us at some point has not been affected or, or, or known what it is to have a broken heart. I want to look, uh, read from Luke chapter 4. This is so vital. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, verse 18, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me, this is the phrase, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus said, I'm anointed to heal people that are broken of heart. But I want to talk about, I suppose a wound, that's the best way to define it, a wound. Something that you can't actually see. 
you break your leg or you break some bone in your body, it can be seen. But here is a wound that every single person has at some point has experienced. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hidden wound. A wound of the heart. A broken heart. Everybody has them. The memories. Regrets. Inner pain. Sorrows. Regrets. You kind of tend to not remember physical pain. But you never forget emotional pain. Emotional pain can be so strong, you can still sometimes remember maybe the mocking that you experienced in the playground. You can still remember the, the painful words that maybe a parent spoke to your life. You can still remember some aspects of that emotional pain. They are deep wounds that come through families, they come through parents. They come through partners, they come through brothers, they come through sisters, they come through children. Wounds that hurt us very, very deeply. And they leave us with broken hearts. I want to talk about how Jesus is anointed to heal a broken heart. See, part of the anointing of Jesus was to restore the inner man so that we can function properly. I want you to see that when our hearts are broken, we can't really function to the capacity that God wants us to function. And I'll tell you why that, why that is. Because when our hearts are broken, when we are emotionally wounded, it causes there to be blockages and barriers in our hearts. So our hearts cannot reach out or respond as God creates them to reach out because our hearts have been broken and damaged and so we have wars, we have barriers that limit what God wants to do in us. We're broken on the inside which means we can't flow out of the inside. God has to work in us so he can work through us. I mean, you can see that. But if our hearts are broken... It's very hard for God to work through us as long as our hearts are so broken because there's walls, there's barriers that we built up in us, in our lives. And so God has to heal the broken heart to work within us so he can work outside of us. Often what's in us comes out of us, is that right? If our hearts, if if our hearts are full of anger, then that's what kind of will come out of us. If our hearts are full of pain, that tends to what comes out of us through, through our conversations and our responses in life. How we respond because our hearts have been broken and shattered. But Jesus says, I'm anointed to heal the broken heart. That's one of the functions of the Holy Spirit. One of the functions of the anointing is to heal the broken heart. The word broken there, incidentally, in the Hebrew, it means to be fragmented into pieces. In fact, the Hebrew word, the, the Greek word is so strong, it means a shattering. Ever had, I, I do it a lot, I don't know why. Ever, ever smashed a glass? <laughs> ever had that? You know, sometimes you're the only one in the house, no one else seems to do it. You seem to put it at the wrong point and it just seems to somehow fall and it just shatters all over the place and there you're looking. And that's like a heart that's broken. It's been totally shattered. Something violent has impacted the heart and it's shattered the heart to pieces. And it's broken and damaged. And 
and full of pain. But Jesus comes to anoint him. Let me just give you a few reasons why, how we get wounded. Proverbs 15 verse 13 says, By sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. And we have painful experiences in life that cause us to have broken hearts. Let me just go a few, some of the things that can cause a brokenness of heart. Abandonment. People who are abandoned by those who are near to them. Could be a child abandoned by their parents. Abandoned by a spouse. When parents die, when children are young, it cuts you to the core. Could be abuse. Abusive words. Abusive, a physical abuse, sexual abuse, mental abuse. Abuse actually means basically someone going beyond the boundaries. When anybody goes beyond the boundaries against someone's life, it leaves them shattered and broken. Particularly in children. Especially when you're a child. You know when you're a child, your heart is so sensitive. That's why a lot of brokenness, a lot of broken hearts that people never fully recover from often takes place in childhood. Because in childhood, your heart is so sensitive. You're more vulnerable to those things in life than in later life. So I guarantee a lot of broken hearts often happen in childhood because our hearts are far more sensitive at that point in time. can be betrayal. People you trusted betrayed you. Someone betrayed your confidence. Somebody that you trusted utterly and totally betrayed you. Jesus himself knew the depths of betrayal. One of his disciples, one of his closest associates, betrayed him, Judas. It's very interesting. Often a lot of people come into betrayal because their hearts have been offended. And because Judas was offended, he betrayed Jesus. And often people who betray us, betray us because at some point they have been offended. And so that's the way they respond to it, out of betrayal. Can be rejection. I think rejection is the most deepest pain of all. Rejection means that that sense of, of lack of love. People who should have loved you, didn't love you. Can be from a parent, a spouse, a child. Rejection is, is the deepest wound and the deepest pain of all. I think rejection actually makes you feel that you're on the outside looking in. You never feel part of it. You always feel on the outside all the time. In conversations, in, when, when people gather together, you always feel that you are the one kind of left out. And you're kind of on the outside looking in. Even though you may be part of the group, yet something in your heart feels outside of it. And there's a the thing about rejection. When you are rejected, you tend to uh, draw more rejection. Because you are rejected, you tend then to either to, to push people away and then bring about more rejection. Because of the rejection that's in your heart. Baba says that Jesus was rejected. He knows the deepest wound of all, the pain of rejection. To know someone who'd loved you, someone that you thought you were close to, suddenly rejects you. The deepest pain of all, the pain of rejection, at least the brokenness of heart. 
guilt. Even our own sin can lead to brokenness of heart. A traumatic experience that leads often to brokenness of heart. Something really traumatic. The loss of a loved one can leave us with a broken heart. What are the symptoms of broken, a broken heart? Here's a few of the symptoms. Oversensitivity. We are touchy. We are touchy all the time. How many of you have ever had a cut? And, it doesn't see, and, and it's raw, absolutely raw. Ever had that, you know, your leg, or you've had some cut and it's raw. And that's what it's like that, that when we've got a broken heart. The, we're raw. And because we're raw inside ourselves, because our emotions are raw, we are... Ever, let me get on. Ever stumped your toe? I hate stumping my toe. I hate, ever, I hate that when you stump your toe. Ever had that? I hate that. And, and that's why it's like that when you have a, a broken heart, that, you, that you, you, you're oversensitive. There's that sensitivity. You're, you're oversensitive to things. Another symptom is that, that we, have, we don't seem to have any resilience on the inside. We've got no power. We can't seem to rise up anymore. That when circumstances and problems come, we, we don't seem to have the inner strength anymore just to, to pick ourselves up, to rise up against it. And we just kind of, just they go over us. Because we don't seem to have the inner resources and the inner strength to do it. I'll tell you why that is often. Often through emotional pain, it drains us. It, it drains us. Our emotions are so drained, we haven't got the emotional energy to rise up and to face things. And so this is what it leaves us with. It leaves us with a passivity. We just withdraw ourselves. We just let it go over us. Because we don't feel we have the inner strength or the ability to stand and confront and deal with those situations because we're so broken on the inside. Often can leave us with an inability to trust. We don't trust people. We keep people at a distance because we don't really trust anybody because we've been so broken on the inside. Our trust is totally disintegrated. So we tend not to trust people. Keep people at a distance because we don't trust. And then that leaves with a, a sense of hopelessness. And you mentioned in that prayer that we're, we've got no expectation that anything anymore can be any different. It is as it is, and we are what we are. And nothing will ever be any different. Our expectation has been so damaged and so crushed, we can't see how anything can anymore be different. Now, here's what we need to see. If we don't go to God with our pain, then we will connect to something else. Other things become substitutes to deal with the pain. We look for false comforts to comfort us in our pain. And our world today is full of people who are running to false comforts. Is that right? They are broken, they are hurting on the inside and they don't know how to deal with their pain. So much of the things we see in our world is people running after things, idols if you like, to comfort them in their pain. Why do you think people turn to drugs many times? Not all the times, but a vast majority of the time is they have unresolved pain they can't deal with, so they turn to drugs as a means and a way to soothe the pain and soothe the hurt. Is that right? And that can cover a multitude of things that people run to. Hundreds of different things, various 
addictive behavior because they are trying to deal with their pain. Food. I've got to have chocolate. <laughs> you know, those sort of things, you know, more chocolate, you know, chocolate and, and comfort eating, that's the best way to describe it. People do things to cut themselves off so they don't have to think about it. Keep themselves busy, keep themselves doing this, doing that, so they've got, so they actually don't have to confront or think about their pain because they're too busy to think about it. And so they keep themselves alert, keep themselves busy, cut themselves off, distract themselves. But how many realize those things tend not to heal the pain? In many times they tend to, to make it far worse. And so people run to these false things to get their pain. How many know that God wants to comfort you, amen? I just love the thought that, that God wants to comfort you in your pain and he's the only one who can comfort you in your pain. I love the Nehemiah. How many love the book of Nehemiah? I love the book of Nehemiah. You know the word Nehemiah means? It means God comforts his people. And Nehemiah really is a, is a picture of the Holy Spirit. How The Bible says that the, the walls were broken down, rather like the souls, our souls have been broken down, totally crushed and demolished. And the Holy Spirit comes to rebuild and to re-strengthen our hearts and our lives. Can you say amen? And the Bible says that there's Nehemiah wept. It's a picture of God. The, the compassion moves the heart of the Father to reach out and restore us and make us whole. Can you say amen? Look at Psalm 147. This is a beautiful psalm. Beautiful picture, really, of what God does. Psalm 147, verse 3. I think this is a great verse to underline and, and claim this as your own. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Amen. In other words, God is a healer. And that word there means to stitch up the wound. Cut or, or, if you like, to, to clean the stitches, clean the wound, and then stitch you up. See, one of the big problems when people do cut themselves is infection can get in. And when infection gets into a wound, it can cause all kinds of problems. But the wonderful thing what this picture is, is God cleans the infection, cleans the poison, cleans what, what's caused the wound, and then he removes it, he cleans it, he heals it, then he stitches you up. Can you say Amen. That's what he does. He heals the broken hearted. Okay, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 8. God is the God of comfort. 2 Corinthians 1. Again, this is a great passage to think about and meditate on 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 8 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, I love that who comforts us all in all our tribulations that we may, make, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for the enduring the same suffering which you also suffered. If we are comforted, it's for your consolation and your 
salvation. Isn't that just amazing? I think that when people are in pain, there's two things that we need. We need comfort and we need hope. Comfort that will release the pain and hope that the future will not be the same. And the Bible says here, he's the God of all comfort. Of all comfort. All comfort, not big comfort, all comfort. Whatever situation, whatever circumstance, whatever problem, he is the God of all comfort. Now notice the word there, it says, in all your tribulations, whatever our circumstances, whatever the pressure, whatever the conflicts, the word all is all inclusive, is that right? That means all tribulations, all pain, all suffering, all the things we go through, God in all those situations, wherever they are, He wants to bring you comfort. In all our tribulations, he wants to bring us comfort. Why does he do that? And I love this verse, I'm going to build on a little bit. That you receive comfort so that you may comfort others. And we're going to build on that moment because that's an incredible truth. That you are comforted so you can comfort others. In other words, that God heals your pain to such a degree that the pain that you've been through actually then becomes a benefit to somebody else. How many of you have found that? That you've been through something in life, you've been through some sorrow, particularly those of us who've lost parents and lost loved ones. If you've been through that, you, you never fully understand it until you've gone through it yourself. Is that right? You never really fully grasp the, the pain of that. But when you've gone through it, It's amazing how you can identify and feel and comfort others because you know exactly the sort of thing they're going through. Is that right? You are comforted so that you may be comforting other people. You know, have you heard testimonies of people have been through something? You think, actually, I've been through. I know exactly what they're going through. I've been through through that. Or I'm actually going through that right here and now. And you hear a testimony of what somebody's gone through and how they came out of it, and something of that testimony strengthened you. You think, wow. That is so amazing. That's just so encouraging. That's so blessed me. That's so strengthened me. That's why it's great to share testimony. Is that right? To share how you've been comforted. To share how you have been healed of your brokenness. Why? So that your particular healing can be a healing to somebody else. Can you say amen? That's the power of it. See, God wants you to be a channel for someone else. Let's see how God comforts us. Because the word comfort doesn't just mean to, 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 to kind of sympathize with somebody. You know, it's great to sympathize with somebody, but that doesn't necessarily solve the problem. Is that right? You know how God comforts you? He comforts you by actually coming alongside you and strengthening you in the midst of it. That's what it means. The word comfort means to, to strengthen So God doesn't always necessarily remove the problem, but what he does do, he strengthens you in the midst of it. How many of you have ever gone through something you think, how did I come through that? Because God comforted you by strengthening you in the midst of what you were going through. You see, the greatest comfort is when someone is able to penetrate your world and come alongside you in the midst of that and strengthen you. And these are the factors you need to have in your mind to understand how God comforts and strengthens. You need to know and realise God's with you. Now these things are basic, but I think we lose sight of them. Know that in your pain, God is with you. When we're hurting, 
Never forget that God is with you. The Bible says, and it's an amazing verse, it says, the Lord is close to those who have a broken heart. In other words, some of the most intimate moments that you can have with God is when you've got a broken heart. You feel his closeness. You feel his nearness often more than any other time. Can you say amen? Never forget that God is with you. Second thing is, God is aware. Job says, you keep a close close watch on my steps. The Bible says something amazing, that God even numbers your tears. Wow. Psalmist talks about, he has a bottle. And in that bottle are all your tears you've ever cried. He's aware of every pain, of every hurt, of every single sorrow you've ever gone through. God even counts your tears. He's aware of what you're going through. Often we say, well, nobody knows what I'm going through. I'll tell you what God does. God knows exactly what you're going through. God cares. Never forget, God cares. The, the Bible says, the Lord is my refuge in time of trouble. He cares for you. Your pain really matters to God. And never forget this, God wants to help you. The book of Hebrews says that, let's approach God with confidence, so that we might receive mercy, and notice this, we might find help in time of need. See, God doesn't just offer awareness, he offers assistance, can you say amen? He assists you. He helps you. He strengthens you. He comes alongside you. He strengthens you in the midst of it. See, some people grow in their pain and some people get stuck in their pain. How many want to grow in their pain? Amen? Here's the next thing. How do you deal with your pain? How does God, how do you deal with it? I want to think a few things here. Because there's certain options of what we can do with our pain. We can either repress it. That means we push it down. We swallow it. We try to bury it. We try to push it down within us. And we repress it. The trouble is when you repress it, it has a nasty habit of coming back up. Amen? I'm often says that when you bury pain and you bury it alive, it's living on the inside of you. And so the danger is sometimes we can repress it. We can rehearse it. In other words, we go over it over and over again. And by doing that, we kind of torture ourselves. God says, don't dwell on the past. Don't keep thinking and meditating and rehearsing. Don't let it consume you. Third thing we can do, either we can repress it, we can rehearse it, and the third thing we can do is resent it. We begin to resent the people that have hurt us. We get bitter towards them. We have unforgiveness in our heart towards them, and so we resent what has happened, and we resent the people that's brought it to us. Well, the fourth thing we can do is we can release it. We say, God... I'm not going to repress it. I'm not going to rehearse it. I'm not going to resent it. I am going to release it. See, some people don't want to let go of their pain. 
They want to hold on to it. They want to hold on to their resentments. They want to hold on to their unforgiveness. They want to hold on. They want to hold on to it because they find it very hard to release it. But the only way you ever really fully get healed of your pain is to come to a moment in your life and say, God, you've said you heal the brokenhearted. And right now I'm releasing it once and for all. I'm letting go of it. Can you say amen? I'm releasing it. I'm giving it to you. And the way we also get rid of our pain, and we can do a few things right now. So we release it. And there's the one last thing we do. Another great thing we need. We need a personal encounter of God. Amen. We need the presence of God. I think the one thing that heals us of our pain is when we feel his love. When we sense his affections. When we sense he accepts us. You know, the way to deal with rejection is to know acceptance. To sense and to know I'm accepted by God. God loves me. Other people may have rejected me. Other people may have cast me aside. But God loves me. God accepts me. And when you begin to have a personal encounter with who God is, his character, his nature, who he truly is, Paul said, I pray that you would experience, you would encounter, you would know the love of God shed abroad in your hearts. And the greatest healing often you can experience is when God releases his love and you encounter it and you experience it. And he touches you at the very core of your being. And your heart is healed and made whole. Instead of running from God, you run to him. Can you say amen? Jesus said, the anointing will heal the brokenhearted. You know what the word anointing means? It means empowered. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has empowered me, if you like, to, to go and to reach the depths of human hearts and to heal their broken pain. And we've just got to really believe that Jesus is still anointed. He's the same. Jesus the Christ, or Jesus the anointed one, is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you need to say, Lord, I believe you're anointed. I believe you're empowered. And I believe if I could just reach out and touch you, you will heal my broken heart. I open my heart to you. I release that pain. And I ask for your anointing to touch me at the core of my heart, at the core of my being. Because you're anointed to heal the broken heart. Can you say amen? And notice what he goes on to say there. He says, The Lord has anointed me to preach the good news. And I found something very powerful. That when you're broken hearted, you need some good news. Is that right? In other words, the word of God is what God uses to comfort us. How many of you have found that time and time again? That you're going through a very hard situation, a broken situation, and God brings a word to you, a rema word, a now word. That's God's comfort coming to you. That word you've read a thousand times before suddenly explodes off the page. Suddenly, something you didn't notice suddenly comes alive in you. And you know that is God speaking and he's speaking a comfort word to you in your brokenness. Amen? A word that brings comfort and a word that brings strength. He's anointed me to preach the good news. Here's what I want you to see. 
The enemy traffics in pain and wounds. And what he'll do is when you go through a wound, go through a pain, go through a broken situation, he'll try to speak lies into your situation. When you think about it, fear is the result of the lies of the enemy. Is that right? Rejection is a lie because it tells you that, you, that, that you're, you're, you're pushed aside, that no one wants to know you. That is a lie from, from the enemy. Is that right? So rejection is a lie that the enemy comes against you with. Worthlessness is a lie where the enemy tells you you are worthless and of no value. And that's a lie that the enemy wants to sow in your heart. Shame, for example, is another lie where he tells you that God has cast you aside, that, that your particular sin or your particular situation is so bad that really it's beyond the help of God. And so often many of the the, the stuff that gets hold of us is often from a lie. We believe the lie. And because we believe the lie, it actually had a control and power over us. That's why Jesus says, you shall know the truth. What will the truth do? Set you free. The word there, you shall know, is the word acquainted with, intimately acquainted. And Jesus says, you'll be intimately acquainted with the truth And when you really are intimately equated with it, ultimately, it's the truth that sets you free. That's what really gets us free. When we really realise the truth, I'm seeing more and more. Many of the things that God says over our lives, some of the great, I think, some of like 120 scriptures that talk about who we are in Christ, those scriptures are not what we will become, it's who we are now. We've just got to act upon it and believe it's true. And when we allow the, the word of God and what God says about us to go down to the core of our being, it's those kind of things that when they really get a hold of you, they begin to truly set you free. Ultimately speaking, the spirit and the word are the major ways that God restores to make us whole. Can you say amen? Let me give you just... I just want to read... I've got to read this scripture. I'll just love it. Psalm 19, verse 7, because... It's a beautiful picture of what the word of the Lord does in our hearts and in our lives. Psalm 19, it's just one of my favourite scriptures, Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 7. The Lord of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, more than fine gold, sweeter than all the honey and the honeycomb. Isn't that beautiful? You know what the word there means for, for perfect? It means a state of wholeness. The word of the Lord brings wholeness. When God speaks to your life, it brings wholeness. It brings wholeness. When he speaks his word, it leads to healing and restoration. The word there says, enlightening the eyes. I think when you really see what God thinks about you, the way God sees you, it changes your life forever, is that right? It enlightens you. brings you out the darkness. brings you out the confusion. The word of the Lord enlightens you. Verse 9 speaks about the honeycomb. It draws you into sweetness. 
You think of hurt and wounds, they leave us feeling bitter. There's a bitterness there about them. But the word of the Lord brings a sweetness. It changes the bitterness into sweetness, into something beautiful and something amazing. I haven't got time to go into it. That's why when Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he was quoting from Isaiah 61. And, and, the, and what Jesus didn't fully quote there, but he says in Isaiah 61, he will, take the ash, he will change the ashes into beauty, into sweetness. He'll take something that seems so devastating, so awful, and he'll so work in it, he'll take the ashes and turn the ashes into beauty. Can you say amen? How many have seen that? How many have seen testimonies where people have reached the lowest you could ever think anyone could ever get to? And God so works in them, that what seems so, what with ashes and brokenness, suddenly now is an amazing testimony. I found this. God often will take your, your greatest weakness and it will become your greatest strength. Amen. Because that's what God does. He's the God of restoration. Restores things. Makes them stronger and better than what they ever were before. Let me quickly, a few other things I could say. Allow people as well to speak into your life. I haven't got time to go into that. Do you know what? You know what prophecy is meant to do? You think what prophecy is meant to do? It's meant to comfort, is that right? It's meant to build up. That's why a prophetic word is so wonderful. Because a prophetic word is meant to strengthen and build up and encourage. Is that right? So how many have found that? The, the, a prophetic word, when you allow a prophetic word to go into the depth of your being and, and God really speaks through somebody through a prophetic word, it brings great comfort and great strength. Can you say amen? Isn't that wonderful? Okay, let me almost draw to a close. Jesus paid the full price on the cross. Can you say amen? He paid the full price on the cross. He paid the price for your entire being. Jesus came to take each one of those broken pieces of our heart and put them back together. Can you say amen? That's what the cross is all about. Years and years ago, I remember a lady was visiting from Canada and she said, I've got a prophetic word. And she gave this prophetic word. It seemed crazy to begin with, but what a powerful word. It was a word on Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's, was it all the king's people and all the king's men, whatever it was, couldn't put Humpty back together again. Remember that? And actually, what she, and she also went on to say, God is saying that some of you believe you're like Humpty Dumpty that you're broken into pieces and God can't put you back together again. He says, God wants to tell you that all those broken pieces, he knows exactly each one and he can put you back together again. Isn't that wonderful? And that's true on the cross. Jesus puts you back together again. You know, I was thinking, sometimes we so get so used to living with pain. Have you thought to yourself this question? If that pain... If that brokenness of heart wasn't there, I wonder how different I'd be. How different would I be? How different, what kind of person? How would I, if that stuff, that negative stuff wasn't me, how different would my life be? And that's why Jesus wants to heal the brokenness. Because he wants you to have this amazing, brand new, awesome relationship with God. Amen? Now, let me close with this. Think of the Richard there windsurfing Jude. <laughs> you know, one thing about surfing, it's all about positioning yourself to catch the wave. And I think 
Being healed of a broken heart is all about positioning yourself to receive a healing. Now, how many believe Jesus is anointed? Put your hand if you believe he's anointed. Okay. So the problem isn't with Jesus. Is that right? So here's the thing. If he's anointed, we've got to position ourselves to receive the anointing. Is that right? How do I, how do I position myself? Number one, I believe that Jesus is anointed. Number two, I, re, I don't refuse comfort. Number three, I express my hurt. I open my heart and say, Lord, this is how I feel. This is the pain. This is what I'm going through. And I begin to tell the Lord exactly what my pain is. Then I forgive all those that I need to forgive. And then I believe that Jesus... I believe you can make me whole. You know what the biggest problem is often? Sometimes, I always thought of this, well, why do you say to him, I mean, you've got a guy who's blind or going through something, why did you actually say to him, do you want to be made whole? How many would say that's pretty obvious? You know, if you've got some really bad physical condition, someone says to you, do you want to be made whole? It's like, hello, this is obvious. But you know what? Sometimes some people don't want to be made whole. And so we need to say, and we've got to really say, well, I really believe I really want to be made whole. I don't want to hold on to this stuff anymore. I truly want to let go of it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and by your anointing, you heal the broken heart. Can you say amen? Let's just come forward right now. So much more I could say, but time is gone. I know time is quickly gone. But we're going to do some divine surgery just in a few moments. I would say there's not one person in this room that at some point does not experience what I'm talking about. So we're going to do some divine surgery right now in these moments. We're going to let Jesus come and do some powerful surgery in our hearts. I only believe Jesus is here. I believe he's here. And we're just going to let him come and do some powerful divine surgery in our hearts. Lord, saying to you today, why do you, why do you need to carry and continue walking in your wounds and your brokenness of heart? Why don't you come and let Jesus come? So I hope everyone could stand in just a few moments because we're just going to do some divine surgery. We're going to position ourselves for anointing. We're going to position ourselves for the Lord to do something powerful in us. Maybe you're here today and you're hurting. And God's aware of what you're going through. And Jesus is here to help and to heal and to make you whole. That's the first thing right now. Just as got some music playing there right now. I want you firstly to say, Jesus, today, I believe you're anointed. And see Jesus as the anointed one. See him as the one who comes to heal the brokenhearted. In other words, you look to Jesus, the author and finisher. You look to Jesus. You don't look to anybody else. You look to Jesus. You're looking to Jesus. So you bring in that to the Lord right now. And begin right now. As you come before Jesus, tell him your hurt. Tell him your wound. And tell him what your pain is right now in these moments. Just tell him. Just in your heart, talk to Jesus about your wound and your pain. Tell him what it is. 
Tell him how you feel. Tell him what you've gone through. What was said, what was spoken, what, what, was, what you experienced in your life. Just tell him right now where he is. Just express your hurt, express your wound to him right now. Could have been a parent many years ago said some cruel words. Someone who did something very cruel and very painful to you that has just fragmented your heart. So just tell Jesus where it is. And then forgive those that you need to forgive. So Lord, I forgive them right now in your name. I forgive them. I forgive what they said. I forgive what they did. I release them now. I'm not going to hold on to them anymore. I release them. I release them to you and I forgive them now in Jesus' name. I forgive them. I forgive that parent. I forgive that person. I forgive that betrayal. I forgive that rejection. I forgive them. I forgive that person and what they did to me right now. I forgive them in the name of the Lord. I release them. And now the final thing is, just open your heart and let the Holy Spirit come. Say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into that area of pain. Bring your comfort, bring your strength into that area right now. Just welcome. Say, Holy Spirit, I, I just welcome you right now into that, into that part of my life. I just welcome you right now, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Go into the depth of my being right now. Touch my heart. Heal my pain. Heal my brokenness, Holy Spirit. Only you can. Nobody else can do it but you. Just come and heal my pain. Holy Spirit, right now, we, we ask you to come into this place this morning. Lord Jesus, release your anointing in this place today. Thank you that you are the great physician. Thank you that only you can heal the broken heart. And that's for, that is why you came. You said, I've come to heal the broken hearted. And I pray for every single person here today that needs your anointing. Would you heal the fragmented heart? Would you heal the broken heart? Would you make it whole again? Would you make it strong again? Would you touch it by the power of your spirit? Lord, I just release your anointing right now in this place. Come and touch each one today that opens their hearts and invites you into those situations. Just come by your anointing. We release the anointing of the Holy Spirit right now into your circumstance, into your situation, into your pain, into your brokenness. Come Holy Spirit right now. And just thank him right now for coming. Whether you feel like, just thank you. Say, Lord, I thank you today. Thank you that you are the God of all comfort, who comforts me in all tribulation and all pain. Thank you that you care for me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you're there for me. Thank you that you're able to help me in my time of need right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delight Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. 